Welcome to the Powercast with Charlie Johnson. I'm one of the world's leading fitness and transformation coaches. I'm going to be providing you with the tools to build your ultimate body and mind. So, absolute pleasure today to have uh, IFBB Pro Troy Brown from the UK, who no longer lives in the UK, on the Powercast. How are you doing? I am great, man. And yeah, I, I do miss London. Don't get me wrong. You're, you're in, you're in Kent or Surrey? Is that no, I'm, in, I'm in Surrey now. So. Uh, for about a week or so then I go away again so I've been flying around a little bit um the last few weeks and we'll continue to do so I think for the rest of the summer so it's it's fun fun times you jet set are you <laughs> it's a lot of airports and hotels but when you get settled somewhere for a, a period of time it's a it's not a bad lifestyle I have to admit so I can't, can't complain about that absolutely um, so a bit about yourself Troy if, if you explain obviously yourself to anyone who doesn't know you, where you're originally from, uh, what you do now, sort of process you've been through to get to where you are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, first of all, for having me on. It's an honor and a privilege to be on your podcast, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm from Hackney, East London. I was born and bred there, and then I moved out to South East London and uh, always been an athlete, always pushed by my dad to play football. And um, that was very an obsession for me as a kid, you know, wanted to be a pro soccer player. I say soccer player because I'm in North America, right? That's what everyone <laughs> I'm going to guess that who you support from where you're from in London. Uh, I don't want to get this wrong now. Is Arsenal supporter? I'm a, yeah, I am a gooner, but we won't even go there because that's a whole nother subject. We <laughs> can spend hours talking about that team right now and, and how uh, appalling they are. But, you know, they've got a new manager and new players. So hopefully they'll turn it around next season. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? Moving swiftly on from that one then. Yeah, moving swiftly on. Yeah, next. So, yeah, from from London, England, and uh, for football was my passion, obviously, for, for many years and did really well at that. I was a, I actually turned pro and um, signed for a team yeah. called Nottingham Forest. Yeah, and when I was signed for Nottingham Forest, I was 17 years of age. And while that was happening, I had my first child, who is um, my son, Rory. Mm-hmm. He's in London. He's in England. Um, and uh, at the time... So I had that going on, just signed pro. And then about a year later, I went into the office with the manager who at the time was Frank Clark. And he said to me, we're going to put you on loan because you need to put some weight on. So off I went to a lower league division team called Northampton Town. Uh, Long story short, they put me on a diet, a banana diet, actually, which I've talked about on many podcasts before. And um, yeah, banana diet for the banana. I think I was having like four or five bananas a day. I couldn't stop fighting. But anyway, (laughs) I remember putting on a lot of weight and they got me weight training, which I never weight trained before. And I just remember, honestly, Charlie, just falling in love with lifting weights. And after about three months of lifting, I think I put on about 20 pounds. And I, I was hooked. I was bitten by the bug. Absolutely loved it. Ended up walking away from football altogether. My dad was devastated because that was bragging rights for him in the pub. So yeah, when I, yeah, when I gave up, he was, he didn't talk to me for six months, but then he saw me getting a little bit passionate about lifting weights and doing this bodybuilding thing. So what were you doing in the transition when you left work to uh, pursue bodybuilding then? I started working. Yeah, I started working in the gym. I started to be, I I became a gym instructor and I was cleaning the equipment, cleaning the toilets. And I just loved the gym environment, the gym atmosphere. And then I started, you know, becoming a a personal trainer. I started that back in 1990. I started PTing clients back in 1996. That's a long time ago. So, um, six years old back then. Oh, my goodness. See, you're already making me feel old, man. I need my (laughs) walkers. 
But um, yeah, I remember just falling in love with the gym environment and the people. And I remember I started getting really serious and started getting really bitten by the bug, started buying the magazines, Flex Magazine, Muscle and Fitness. And I decided in 1999, I'm just going to go out to the Mecca. And I was about 175 pounds. And all I wanted to do was just be in the energy. And I remember walking into the gym, Venice Beach at Gold's Gym and seeing Flex Wheeler and Chris Cormier training together. That was my first time I ever saw a pro bodybuilder. And was, those two were training together for the Olympia. They were three weeks out. And I remember running over to Flex Wheeler and I said, I'm a big fan of yours. I'm all the way from England. Can I get a picture of you? And he said, come after my training session and we'll take a picture. And I was upset, but I can understand why, right? He's dieting. He's three weeks out from Olympia. And I remember walking into Wells gym, which was down the road. And I saw Lee priest and I was like, Oh my God, like literally I haven't seen a pro bodybuilder, but going to the States and seeing all the legends. And then I met, I met my idol, Sean Ray. And I, I that was it. I made a decision there and then I was going to, you know, start competing. And, okay. and um, yeah, so I ended up doing my first show in 2001 stars of tomorrow. And that was in Canary Wolf, and I played second, qualified for the Britain, and got second at the Britain at the first time, as I knew I wanted to become a pro. So it took me seven years to become a pro, and I got my pro from first competing or from first going to the gym. Uh, so you, my first show was 2001 yeah 2001 yeah. so I turned pro 2006 as everybody knows I beat Flex Lewis in the overall I won the heavies he won the light heavy and then that was a dream come true and then I thought I'm going to make it I'm going to be this big sensation I'm going to be the next door in Yates and off I went yeah. uh, off I went to North America I actually moved to sunny Alberta which is the, one of the coldest places on the planet <laughs> I met a Canadian girl and um, kind of got sidetracked got involved in some businesses I shouldn't have done and my bodybuilding dream was sort of fading away and um, I ended up walking away from it in 2011. Did four pro shows, did pretty well. My last pro show, I played six. And yeah, I ended up take, literally walking away from bodybuilding and um, be, I got really heavily involved into network marketing. And I did that for six years. And then when I got out of that, I, I just decided I walked away from bodybuilding way too soon and I didn't even hit my peak and I'm going to give it another go. This is in 2015. So off yeah. I went, I was 174 pounds, um, lost all my muscle, was a vegan at the time. And I decided I'm going to start eating meat. Kevin start Lebron, can't go back. Sorry? You're like Kevin Lavrone going back. Yeah, I came back. And honestly, Charlie, everything was going great. I mean, I was putting on muscle. The muscle memory came back very, very quickly. I think I... coming vegan then out of, out of curiosity? Is that from an ethical standpoint? Uh, yeah, it was just my, 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 my partner at the time, she was a vegan. Well, she was a vegetarian and she went full-blown full vegan. So I think it was inevitable I was going to do it too, right? I mean, your law of association, you are, you surround yourself with. So yeah. um, she was also in, into the physique world too. She was in, she did fitness. All those yeah. girls that do all the flips on splits on the stage and all that. Yeah. So she did really well at, well at that at the time. So she walked out, she got out of the sport and um, I think, you know, we both wanted different things. I was struggling financially, moving to a new country and bodybuilding wasn't paying the bills. So I was PTing on the side and working on the door at nightclubs and so forth. And um, that's probably why I got a bit of taste in my mouth and why I walked away from bodybuilding, which I shouldn't have because my dream was to quality, do the Olympia, or do the Olympia, which I got close to in 2007. Uh, if I would have qualified, I think if I would have placed fourth, I would have qualified for the Olympia, but I missed out. I got fifth place. But anyway, so yeah, uh, I walked away 2000 and 2011. I walked away from bodybuilding, came back to it in 2015. Everything was going great. Started putting on muscle again, got back up to 265 in the gym one day bench pressing. I think I was doing close grip bench presses and it was my last set, my last rep. 
tore my pec, tore my tricep, and career was done. Career was over. And here I am today, you know, still in decent shape, you know, trying to help these 40... Yeah, trying to help these 40-year-olds, you know, trying to be the inspiration, the, the source of inspiration that they need and, you know, just really trying to live this healthy, holistic wellness approach to this age where you're in your 40s, right? People think that you're going backwards, but I really believe that we can get better at any age. So I have some injuries, but I'm still training really, really hard and watching people like yourself on Instagram, you know, leading the charge in the fitness industry and transforming bodies is very, really inspiring. So here I am today talking to you you know, have a coaching business called Apex Physiques and I'm pretty much doing the same thing as yourself. Got clients all over the world and uh, we just love to serve. We love to help people. So that's kind of the, the short end of my story. There's a lot more to it, but that's kind of the, the cliff notes, if so to speak. It's, um, it's a funny thing. I remember you, I can't remember who messaged you, whether I messaged you or you messaged me on Instagram and it was the most surreal thing because um, you, I think you used to train originally for a while at Forest Human Crawley with Harold. Oh my goodness! Yeah, those were the days. I was training there when I was like eighteen for a while, and I used to really look up to you guys. And I was like, oh, I, that, that literally like idolised. I was like, oh, of course you'd be an IFB pro and all those bits and pieces. So it's, um, yeah, it's it's funny how things sort of come about, and you end up on the, mm. like having these sort of conversations now in the same sort of wavelength. It's uh, an amazing, amazing experience. So very cool, very humbling from my point of view to be able to have that opportunity to speak with you today. Oh um, no, it's my pleasure. What was in your terms of your career? Was there anyone in particular who helped you develop, or you learned a lot from? Obviously, I know you trained with Harold. I don't know if he prepped you for a lot of the shows from um, Sunny Old Forest Jim and Crawley. Yeah, you know what? That's a question a lot of people ask me, and you already mentioned his name. I, he was like a brother to me. I looked up to him so much. I always believe success leaves clues, and I always believed that you know if someone has what you want, study them. So he was already a pro. Associate yourself around them, get in their circle, their mind. Yeah, man. I remember I, I was training clients in London, so I would drive to Crawley like three or four times a week just to be in Harold's energy. And I, mm. I watched the man. I watched how he trained. I watched how he prepared his meals and how he conducted himself when he was in the gym. And I watched how he trained. I actually would drive to drive from London to Crawley just to see him train with his training partner. Anyway, long story short, we ended up training together a few times. I would always train every Thursday at Forest Gym and do legs with Harold. Those workouts were torture. They've been, uh, we've spoken about them on many podcasts, but uh, the lunges on the hill outside the gym, having like a hundred pounds on your back, going up and down the hill after making it your last leg exercise on leg day was pretty brutal. And I remember, you know, getting ready for nationals and, I remember Zach Khan was a favorite at many nationals and shouting out his name, you know, while I'm doing those lunges, like Zach Khan, Zach Khan. Um, so yeah, great memories. Honestly, you don't realize at the time how many, um, those memories that you're creating at the time, but Harold, I owe a lot to because he taught me the ins and outs of how to conduct yourself as a professional and how to be a good ambassador for the sport, uh, which we all need. Right. So I'm just truly grateful for him and not, not forgetting Mr. Yates, who you just had the honor to train yeah. with recently in Marbella. I owe him a lot too, even though I didn't know him at the time. I remember driving up, actually got a train from King's cross to go and train with Dorian a few times at temple gym. And that was, uh, that was pretty nasty too. So, but great memories, memories that will last you a lifetime. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things it's difficult to sometimes appreciate those moments when you're in the moment. And sometimes you have to, almost like pinch yourself to realize what's going on at the time, if that makes sense. Absolutely. 
you do yeah you don't realize and um it's just great things to talk about and tell the grandchildren one day that you know i was this ifbb pro got on the front cover of magazines and it's something to be grateful for but you don't really realize it at the time so yeah i have mentors i'm a big fan of having a mentor and a coach i think everybody should have some type of coach or mentor if it's good for michael jordan or tiger woods it should be good for us too that's a great thing i always love when people say oh, why have you got a trainer if you're a trainer well tiger woods is the best golfer well, the best golfer in the world and he's got a golf golf coach golf trainer so yeah just just because you can do it doesn't mean you know it all love it i couldn't agree with you more absolutely yes 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 um, so like every aspect of my life i have someone who pretty much helps me with everything that's the way you learn but i think from your own mental aspect you it almost takes the weight off your shoulders having someone else from an external point of view to give you accountability and like an external thought and energy process just to sort of run like ideas by or get a second opinion because there's so many people who will give you an opinion who quite frankly don't necessarily care what they think but if it's someone who you hold in high regard um and i think it's one of those things you if you respect that person and you work with them, you want to do a good job for them. If it's your bodybuilding coach, your business mentor, you yeah. want to make them proud of you as, as like corny as that may sound. It'd be the same thing as the clients we have. Like you get the same thing. Only you get lovely messages all the time of how happy people are. And it's um, when they've lost a load of weight or they've improved their health. And it's an incredible experience to be able to uh, receive messages like that on a sort of daily basis. And it, it's a, a, you can't quite, I don't know, summarize those feelings sometimes. Yeah, I think because you're living life on purpose, right? I think you it's very evident that you're living your life on purpose, serving people, and you're you're doing what you love. It's your passion. You can see that from afar. So when you get those messages, those heartfelt messages from individuals, it just basically makes you realize that I actually am on path and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna do this to the day I die. So and I think yeah, we're both in the same positive energy and vibe into the world. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, I think we all need, we all have a purpose. We're all here for some reason or another. Some people haven't defined their purpose and that's okay. But I think if you ask those deeper questions and get really, really quiet, if you, if you're a person that meditates and we're going a bit woo woo here, but I'm a big fan <laughs> of meditation, but um, it really does allow you to have a clear vision, maybe not in the beginning, but if you can, if you treat it as a ritual, like weight training and nutrition, like what we do, um, eventually you'll be shown the way of what you're destined to do. I mean, we've all got these gifts, right? We've got these unique gifts and we're all different. And it's, it's our birthright to bring those gifts to the table, make sure that we use them on a daily basis. And sometimes that means, what they are. yeah, we've got to discover what they are, but at the same time, you know, you've got to get, put yourself out there and you've got to make yourself sometimes vulnerable and um, you're putting yourself out sometimes to be ridiculed. But you know, if you, if you're realizing the bigger picture and you know that, the bigger picture is to serve humanity, then, you know, just take it on the chin. I sometimes still get worried about what people think, but you can't, when you have a big vision, you can't worry about what people think because you want your legacy to go on and on and on and on. And I have my son who watches me on Instagram every day. And he is one of my reasons why I do what I do and why I have to make myself uncomfortable and step out and, you know, put yourself out there maybe to be ridiculed. And if that is, that's the case, then so be it. But, you know, we, we've got to think big picture here. Yeah, and live your own lives. I think I was, I was having this conversation with my dad, actually, that one of the most interesting things I think about social media now is that you're, like, I'm essentially documenting the entire entirety of my life. So when I eventually die, which hopefully won't be soon, um, like someone will be able to go back through and look through my life for like the last 50 years or whatever. You'll be able to see video, like you'll still be in existence in a digital format. And you know I mean, like your grand, great-grandchildren will be able to go, look back and see what Troy was like and all these bits yeah. and pieces. 
that when you start to think about it in the context of time and like a legacy is an incredible thing to do, I think. What you just said there is very deep. And I think most of us don't think that way. And I'm glad you actually said that because it does make you stop and ponder and realize actually is what I'm doing going to help somebody or is it going to maybe not help somebody? So it's like you are thinking about a particular post or a particular video. Is this particular post or video going to serve somebody? Is it going to give them value? Yeah. And the same thing with everything I I try to think is that the why of everything in life is like, why am I going to eat this meal? Why am I going to do this training session? Why am I going to put this post on Instagram, Facebook? Like what? There's always a reaction you're looking to try and get from the world from whatever it is. If you're looking to yeah. eat certain food, to get leaner or to get bigger, or you want to try and educate someone on a certain subject. And that's, I think a lot of people are very mindless in their thought process of why they do certain things. I think as soon as you're, aware of what you do and why you can then suddenly control your life. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think thoughts, man. I mean, we are what we think about all day long. My old mentor would say, if you know what people were thinking, you would be speechless because most people aren't thinking, but we've got these. <laughs> Very good saying. I'm it's that. true, but he's bang on. I, every yeah. time he would say, I would laugh, but he's so, it's so true though. And um, I think we would rather ask someone else, you know, for advice as opposed to actually think about what we truly want in our life. And the worst thing that we can do is maybe ask someone that isn't qualified for it to give us the advice that we need. I think that we need to go from within or ask somebody that has what we want, yeah. you know, in order to yeah, ask, ask those deeper questions. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I think that's one of the only downsides of social media and the easy access of information and that anyone can put information out there. There's so much poor information out there now on certain subjects that, people are often led astray on, on certain health aspects or whatever it might be that isn't necessarily going to help people. And it's going to waste a lot of people's time and it, it can have a lot of detriment to people. Unfortunately, It's a good point. You know what? I think sometimes we all want to be entertained, right? So we look at Instagram to be entertained, but if there's somebody out there that's given really good value of information and maybe they're not so much entertaining because they know what they're here to do. Sometimes people will tune out. They'd rather listen to someone that maybe isn't qualified and maybe that is maybe entertaining them on social media and they would listen to that person as opposed to somebody that really has something to say or value. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I'd agree entirely. Yeah. Um, So digressing for obviously they were talking about the the mental aspects of the world and our our ongoing legacies we're both trying to build. Um, Some training questions I'd be curious to ask you. Mm. What what would you say was the key for you building the the muscle mass you did? Oh man, you know what? That's such a good question. I would put it down to what was, your training, what was your training split? Like, I, like that's that's the same thing. I've asked. I ask everyone this question on podcasts if they're fitness related. It's a and great they, question, though. And like, I had a, a good friend of mine, George Cruz, was on it the other day. Who plays rugby for England and Sarah. Yes. And he said exactly the same thing. It's just consistency. It's the same with business. Everything is day in day out. Just if you get one percent better every day. But you do that for 365 days, you do that for three, four, five years, suddenly you're at an elite level of whatever it is you want to do. And in the moment, it's actually hard to not realize that. And we lose sight of that because we get impatient, right? And we live in this. Oh, I'm the worst for that as well. Oh, me too. We, we live in this microwave society where we all want it yesterday. And I, I, I hold my hands up. I'm very impatient because I know what I want. And when things are very slow, um, you, you kind of get a little bit frustrated, but the thing I always loved about bodybuilding, it was all on me. 
and yeah. where you control all the variables. So for, for me, it was, I think p- persistence was, and doing my 10,000 hours, I, I was a student. I just became a student of the game. And I just looked up to people that I wanted to be like, like Sean Ray. He was the reason why I idolized him so much because the way he conducted himself as a professional, the way he looked, he didn't have a weak body part on him. And he always showed, he always showed up on stage in shape every single year. And he was a little bit opinionated, but I think yeah. that was part of his character. And that's something that I it really appreciated. Yeah, it made him different. It made him stand out from the crowd. So why would you want to be different? That's the thing about us human beings is that we're all unique. We all have these gifts. If everyone was the same, it would be very, very boring and very laborious too, right? I 100% agree. On, on the, the, obviously, this isn't a bodybuilding podcast, but something I have to bring up. What was your opinion on Sean Roden turning up? Um, I don't know. I presume you saw, I think it was the Pittsburgh show completely out of shape with that. Would you agree that was a bad idea or? So, you know what? I actually didn't see, but I kind of heard, uh, I think Sean Ray gave his two cents on it, but yeah, uh, yeah I mean, Sean's a professional, right? Both they are, and Sean Ronan's a professional. I mean, oh, at the end of the day, I mean, if you are Mr. Olympia and I know Sean Ronan, he's a, he's a great man. He's, he really is a great ambassador for the sport, very humble person. And, um, you know, really wants to help people too. But I also see if you're a professional and you're the number one guy on the planet, then it is your duty to stay in shape year round. I, yeah. I, I think you have to at, oh, at that level. Just don't go on the stage. Like, yeah, you don't, you just don't show up. If you're out of shape, then just don't show up. And I think that's something that I have to commend you for is that you're in shape year round. And that's something that most I don't really see very often. Sorry. Most of the time. Most of the time. I'm, the thing I find difficult with is um, allowing myself the room to grow because I want to grow my phys- continue to grow my physique, which I slowly am, um, which feels very slowly. But I look back through photos and I can see the progress. But you have to trying to do that whilst not trying to throw on tons of crap weight is not necessarily the easiest process to do, and it requires a lot yeah. of patience. Yeah, push and pull up and down all the time. It's true. That's a good point. I, that's one thing I do regret about my career is that once I turned pro, I, I was always a very balanced, symmetrical guy. I was never the biggest guy on stage, but I was always probably one of the most conditioned, probably the, the most symmetrical. So when I moved over to the States and I wanted to do the Ironman Pro, which I knew Phil Heath was competing in, I played the size game. And I, I came in that show, I was 248 pounds at yeah. five foot six. That's a lot of weight. And I, yeah. And I normally would compete around 230 to, I, I turned pro 221, 222. So for me to compete at 247 a year later was just way too much weight. So I played the size game. So if I could turn back the clock, I would have definitely would have um, maintained my conditioning year round. And I would have stayed off some of the um, supplements that weren't, which I wouldn't use at the time if I can be open and transparent here. So yeah, you learn from your mistakes. And if I, like I said, if I could turn back the clock, I would have definitely would have kept a streamlined physique, done something very similar to what Sean Ray used to do. Maybe just go 20 to 30 pounds off season weight. And then that way you can cruise into the show and then you, you always come in on the money on condition every single time. So, and that's what happens to a lot of people who turn pro. You go to the States, you start doing some American shows and it's very easy and being and being tempted to play the size game very very easy to do so and i remember bob chicarello coming up to me and he says to me you've got such beautiful shape troy he said don't play the size game and i didn't listen to him 
So I think you're this new sensation. You just turned pro. You got on the front cover of Flex magazine. Exciting. You take on the world, don't you? Yeah, it's like, you, how dare you? Who are you? Like, kind of thing. I only listen to one person. That's Harold. So we put the game plan together, and it didn't work for my physique. So, yeah, I think if anybody's listening and if they compete, is you know don't get too heavy too quickly stay lean year round and you'll find that your body's way more optimal and also not forgetting that when the body is leaner the body's so much more efficient too and um, i love I what you talk like, about i think your, your body just utilizes food better and everything just runs smoother and you can oh, like, absolutely you can also see what's going on so like if you if you're 10 kilos overweight and you put on another kilo, you don't really notice it. Whereas if you're only two kilos overweight and you put on a, a bit of body fat, you suddenly notice it quite considerably. So you, yeah. it's easier to adjust if things are starting to get a little bit out of hand. Yes. Um, it's easier to keep, keep a tight rein. And then we can also see what body parts are improving, which ones aren't, because it's, you've got a great shape to see what's going on. That's true. That's true. I, I can remember this time when I was guest posing. Uh, it was the year I turned pro. And I, I wanted to do my, my first pro show in Montreal. I was three weeks out and I was really behind Charlie. And I remember doing this guest spot and, and I remember jumping on the boards the next day and they were all saying how oh, I look out of shape. I'm not going to make it. And that, right there, I learned a huge lesson that what you do in the off season determines how you're going to look on stage. I always believe that's when the athlete is built in the off season, but also at the same time is that the athlete really needs to pay attention to their conditioning in the off season, but also take it very, very seriously. I think too many amateurs don't take their off season seriously enough. Cause I've truly believed that you're training for a show for one full year, not just for 16 week contest prep. The real, the real magic happens when you make progress is not when you're actually dieting because you're, nothing's changing. You're just pulling off body fat and trying to maintain the muscle tissue. Really? That's right. Do you have you any tips with your clients in terms of trying to stay lean whilst growing or during their off season phase or any little pro tricks and tips that you have up your sleeve? Yeah, I, I, I tend to work with more gen population. Uh, I do work with the people that are coachable that I won't take on any person that isn't, uh, coachable has the desire for change if they want to compete. So I'm very selective of who I work with, but with the gen population, I, a lot of them obviously have bad habits. So you're working against their paradigm, which is a multitude of habits, which is deep rooted. And you have to do a lot of inner work with them and they don't really understand that, you know, 80% of this game is mindset. 20% yeah. is mechanics. So right. you, you, I've heard you talk about this as well. So for, for, for me, it's understanding that I got to do a lot of inner work, a lot of journaling, a lot of gratituding. Um, they have to do, you know, a lot of parasympathetic stuff to keep their stress levels down because most of them aren't doing it. And that's the reason why they probably ballooned up in the first place. So yeah, I think the goal is to keep, all my clients in a healthy body fat range, uh, regardless of who they are. But at the end of the day, we want optimal health, right? We want them to be, you know, healthy, you know, not just outside, mentally, but internally too, yeah. mentally and physically, you know, mind, soul and body or whatever you want to call it. So I like that holistic approach to this. And that's what I I've agree. encompassed myself as a, as a former pro, pro bodybuilder is I do live a very holistic lifestyle. I believe in the power of visualization. I believe in meditation. I believe in journaling, gratituding. Uh, I really believe in reading a good inspirational book every day because the thing out there, when you see in the world, the bad stuff doesn't even have to find you it could just knock on your door now it, all the negative stuff will find you so you do have to 
take matters into your own hands and read and, and study good information and positive material on a daily basis, something inspirational that's going to uplift you in the morning. Because if you don't, you'll fall victim. I've done is I probably stopped this about a year ago. Just, I just don't watch the news anymore. I don't read the paper because I just like, I'll go and look for something if I need to find out about anything, but realistically I don't really care because all that's going to be on the news is like if you're in London at the moment, it's going to be stabbings or whatever, Brexit. That's pretty much all that you're ever going to hear about. It's never going to be anything positive or inspiring to start your day if you put on the news first thing in the morning and you're already going to have that negative energy and mindset in your thought process, which you don't, which quite frankly, I don't want uh, at all around me or even like first thing in the morning is the last thing you want. Yeah, sensationalism, right? And I always say CNN is it's an acronym for constant negative news. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's true, though. So I think that, that people want to be inundated with what's going on in the world, but you'll find it somehow anyway. So I choose not, I'm like yourself, I choose not to watch the news. And uh, I rather just pick up a good book. I've got hundreds of books that I read. And I just pick up, pick up a book and scroll through it. And if I'm meant to read a particular page, that's what I'm reading. So, um, but I've been doing this for, for years. I, I've suffered with depression and anxiety for a long time in my life so i i find if i don't do my meditation if i don't journal if i don't read a good book it's very easy for me to go back to old habits i find even like it's the simple things that people don't understand that like, make a difference is even just stopping and like breathing for like a minute or two and for me like uh, i just go for a walk first thing in the morning and you just or if i'm like really stressed and be working too much on a laptop i literally I'll just go out for a walk for 45 minutes and just that thought process of you just getting out in fresh air, like a bit of sunshine, just blood moving around. It just clears your mind. Yeah. You're getting back into that parasympathetic state. Right. And we both do that every morning I'm out walking and I love that's what you do too. I love that about you. Um, that was one of the things when I started watching your stories on Instagram, I said, this guy gets it. He understands. And every morning you're out there walking. It's a great time to think. It's a great time to think of creative ideas, but also you're in nature too. Right. So it's just a, it, it just makes sense that that's something that we should definitely spend time doing. It, well, person asked me today in one of my questions on Instagram, what's one big, health tip that you could give somebody if you can pick one and i said do what i'm doing right now get outside and just walk you know do you know 30 minutes of walking or do something towards 10,000 steps every single day i believe that can change somebody's life their health in a nutshell i I, find if you said that i had exactly the same i think someone put my ig story about um how i want to lose weight but i don't know where to start i said look the easiest thing you can do is just get up before you have breakfast go for a power walk for 45 minutes and I guarantee you that will change your life alone. And it doesn't cost you anything. Anyone can do it. <laughs> Done. There, is, there is no excuse. It's true. It, that's the thing. Now, I think the information that we were talking about just before we went live here, there's so much information out there and people get inundated with so much information that it gives them the analysis paralysis. So they don't do anything with it um, because we've got information flying at us from everywhere. We can get, you know, decent enough programs or you know i would say not they're not tailored towards us though but the information's out there so sometimes when there's too much information people just don't want to take any action but we have to go back to the basics that's what i'm all about is teaching people the basics because you do need to be a you need to have a scientific approach obviously but at the same time if you're not doing the basics then all that scientific stuff really doesn't matter in the beginning. So that's why I love what you talk about making sure that you get outside and go for a 30 minute walk every single day. It clears your head. You know, you're putting, you know, oxygen back into your lungs again, you're clearing your head and it's a chance for you to start thinking of 
creative ideas. We we're talking earlier about how people are not thinking, right? If you go out and walk, you're going to start to feel better because as you move, it creates a good emotion in your body. What does Tony Robbins say? Motion or emotion equals motion or motion equals emotion. So yeah. you, you got to move. You have to move your body. That's what it's designed to do. It's not designed to sit at a desk, at a desk for eight to six hours a day. So we, I love what you do. You practice what you preach. I really love that about you. That you're leading the charge and you're leading by example. You're teaching your clients, you know, what they should be doing. And I really believe that, yes, it's important for a coach to understand how the human body works, but at the same time, he has to practice what he preaches. And I remember what um, Robert Kiyosaki said once from Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He said one time, and it always stood out to me, it was years ago he said it. He said, if your mentor or coach doesn't practice what they preach, fire them oh, it's true it's, the it's like you don't take it you wouldn't take a financial advice from a, a somebody's bankrupt like it just you have to if you believe in the process of what you do you would do it yourself absolutely absolutely again, we're talking about people with uh false information in like a, not false information incorrect information maybe in like agendas trying to sell things on social media or the internet now there's a unfortunately a few people like that who don't necessarily practice what they preach which i find frustrating when say for someone like myself or yourself like this is what we're passionate about what we love and do and we do practice what we preach on a daily basis which is one of the beauties of social media gives you the opportunity to document and show what you do on a day-to-day basis um which i always find is a funny thing because people who look at some of the weird things we both do and think like we put stuff out there and you think this is incredibly boring i would be interested in this but then people were like people are like curious about, Oh, what's that sugar-free sauce you're using or like whatever it might be. Like what brand of coffee do you take? Or it's just random, random little nuggets of information, but then that adds value to other people's lives. It's true. So true. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think that you, you, for yourself, I think what you're doing is you're just, you, you've created a really, uh, unique way of putting your information out there. That way the whole world can benefit. And I think that's the beauty of social media. Now the world isn't necessarily getting any bigger. It's getting smaller due to technology now. And Oh, it's incredible. Like we can, we can impact people. You know, I'm in Canada right now and, and you're in the UK and, um, it's it's this is how powerful it's, it's, it's crazy it is it, it is but we, there's something that we actually don't think about or we're not even grateful for so i think this is a great way to start your day in the morning is to be just to think of gratitude like as soon as my feet hit the ground i have to put myself in a state of gratitude um because you got another chance and the one thing i heard recently is another mentor of mine what he does is when he when he meditates he asks he asked the universe, he said, we're going a little woo-woo here, but uh, he would say, what is my assignment today? Like, what is my purpose today? How can I make an impact? How can I increase my service today? And I think those are really, really good questions that you should be asking, um, you know, the, the higher power, so to speak. I think the whole thing being grateful, like people forget sometimes, like I do myself, even sometimes I go and train, I feel a bit tired and I think like, I keep myself sometimes like, like get your acting gear. How fortunate are you that you have the physical ability to be able to go into a gym and lift weights or do these things that like you get hit by a bus tomorrow and not be able to walk and never be able to do this again. Then how much would you enjoy that leg session that you you're about to do now? Like if that was going to be your last leg session, if you know what I mean? So it's, and I think a lot of people, even the general public sometimes aren't aware of how lucky they are to have a healthy and fit and functioning body because uh, the reality is you can lose that at any instance. Like you're, image and the way you look or your physique is not going to be timeless and i'm well well aware of that like you can't 
rely on the way you look uh, as a professional bodybuilder like you were or how I look now because ultimately that will fade but your mind and your legacy you will have forever that's so true like that that is what you just said there is so powerful uh, I hope people got it and um, they should write that down because that is some powerful words there that you just what you just said so no I just think um I think the reason why most of us are wandering around aimlessly like a leaf in the wind is because we're not being present. No. You know, we're just thinking about the future or the past. And that's why, again, I'm going to talk about it again. People get probably get so annoyed when we keep talking about meditation all the time, but it allows you for that moment to be present. That's why I love doing a cold shower because in that moment of having a cold shower, I don't have the minerals for it. Unfortunately. I wish I could do it. I just can't do it. You know what it, you know what it does? Like over time, you don't think about anything else. You don't think about your job. You don't think about what went wrong yesterday. You that's, don't what, think- that's what I love weight training about. Cause the moment you go into the gym and you're like, I've got I don't know, 200 kilos in a squat on the bar. Like you're not thinking about anything else. Yeah. You're thinking about, don't let this crush me this is moving from A to B and could like contract through quads, but like you're not thinking about, Oh, I need to pay this bill later on, or I need to deal with this problem. Everything else just disappears. It's a pure moment of clarity for me. That's a great point. Cause I remember having the same discussion with Dorian once he said the same thing. He actually found that bodybuilding when he was very low body fat and he was very tired. There was times in his career where it, it was more of a spiritual journey. He actually found it would go from within and find an extra resource that he didn't know where it came from. And it was, and he said he would leave all these problems at the door and the gym and all it mattered was the workout. Nothing else mattered. And I completely agree with you. I think weight training, resistance training, and that's why I preach it so much, why it benefits so many men and women, because you're right. It allows you to be present in that moment and nothing else really matters if you're pushing yourself and if you're really paying attention to form and making sure that there's time under tension and making sure that you are, you know, we talk about it's a, it's a term used very much in this industry, you know, my muscle connection. But if you are using that, then you're going to stay present in that particular moment in the gym. And unfortunately though, what will happen sometimes is our phone could be our biggest blessing and also a curse. So, when you're scrolling for Instagram, you're not really particularly being present. So I would encourage anybody listening, if they're serious about weight training, is to just put your, your phone on airplane mode. If you've got to do a video, then then by all means. But you don't want to be sitting there in between sets scrolling for Instagram because you've That's taken your mind. Yeah. You're taking your focus. Yeah, you take your focus and your mindset off the job in hand, and now you're thinking about things outside of you and you're not being present. So how do you expect to get results? First thing I do as soon as I go into the gym is my phone goes in airplane mode. And like, for me, again, that's almost like my escape from the world because you have such an overload of information coming in from WhatsApp, email, like social media, that it's just constantly getting bombarded with almost like uh, contact all the time. And you can yeah. escape from that. Whereas when you go into the gym, phone's off. That's like my peace time for me to like go to work, do what I love to do and just like forget about everything else. Love it. I love it. And I think more people should, more coaches, more trainers, you know, more people that are listening should, should definitely take that advice because it, it will stop you from wanting to see social media. Obviously when the workout's done, then by all means, but oh, you do what you like, then. 
yeah, you can do what you want, but when it's time to train, it's time to train and it's all business. But I always think people have this belief that, oh, it's for the, for the, the physique athletes. That's what they should do. But everyone else, we don't have to do that. Why not? If it's good for the athlete who has results, then, you know, successfully it's good. Yes. Yeah, exactly what we were coming back to. So if you, if you want to have results like them and you want to have the abs like they do, what do they do to get them? They're not sitting there on between sets going through Instagram and Twitter and all these other bits and pieces. Yeah, I don't talk to I, – I, people think I'm a little bit rude when I work out, and even though I'm, I don't compete anymore, I still have that mindset. That's one thing that bodybuilding has taught me for so many years is when it's time to train, I'm in my own little world and I put my music on. That's what I'm known for my headphones and my beats. Beats and weights is my little <laughs> hashtag. And um, that beats and weights. Program. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. With this governor philosophy that I'm creating. So it's, yeah, it's, I'm in my own little world. And once the workout's done, then I'm your best friend. But when it's time to train, it's all business. Where did the, um, off into another tangent, where did the governor f- uh, philosophy come from? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, I, I originally thought about it when I was back in the UK, but what was interesting when Americans I moved, understand that or Canadians, they, they, some of them do actually they do because they've seen like lock stock two smoking barrels, yeah. right. And Vinnie Jones and people like that. So they kind of understand like the Cockney philosophy. So how it all started, I'll give you the real quick version. I was personal training in Alberta and this gentleman came into the gym, never seen it before, but he knew I was in town. And he knew I was a pro and he wanted to train with me. So he signed a waiver and he said to me, Troy, I've been through some strenuous workouts. There's nothing that you can give me will break me. I said, okay. okay. And I said, you do know I'm from England, right? Us English guys are pretty, you know, we're very intense. He said, no, bring it on. So I went, so you sure? So we, we warmed up, we did a bike and we just did some um, mobility. And we actually, yeah, we did legs actually. That's what he wanted. Anyway, so he kept telling me in between sets after we had finished, we'd do one working set to complete failure. And he would say, too easy, governor, in his Canadian accent. And I'll say, and by this point, I was, I was okay. I was staying pretty calm. But he was saying it over and over and over again. So I was getting really, really mad. So I thought, okay, out come the drop sets. Out come the rest pauses. Out come the negatives. Out comes the pre-exhaust techniques, all the high-intensity principles. And I just destroyed him. Long story short, he walked out the gym, stumbled into the shower area, banging into walls. So I waited outside the shower area for, for him, and he was in the shower. So it was in, he was in there for like 40 minutes, and I'm thinking, where is this guy? So I go into the shower area. There's no one in now, and I can hear the shower running in the changing room. And there he is in the shower, naked, sitting on the ground with the water hitting his back of his neck. And I said, brother, are you okay? Are you all right, mate? And he said looked at me and he said too easy governor and winked at me and that was it that was and that's when the idea formed in my head governor so basically the g stands for graft work ethic um so it's i've i've kind of been tampering with it and playing around with it for a while now but now it's become this i don't know people call me the governor now so it's, it seems to be working and uh, it's just sort of my way of bringing the uk mentality over to the north america right and they what, seem to love it. What would you say, like, my brief experience in America, I need to get out there more, and Canada, is um, Americans seem to love the British, British accent and British people generally. But what would you say is the big differences in the fitness scene between the UK, the US, in terms of attitudes, training? and uh, What's your sort of training style? Obviously, you mentioned doing 
high intensity one working set very dorian yates-esque is that your general preferred approach for yourself clients well if you're looking for the i would say the higher level athletes that are in north america they, they seem to be more focused on volume yeah um, they train very they're, they're into the uh, training the body part twice per week um so there's a lot of um what's the word i'm trying to look for here they, they, they train more consistently. So they'll train probably six days a week. Whereas when I came over here, I was telling people, no, you, you, you can get it done in four days. You know, if you're training hard enough, you need to focus on recovery and recuperation, but they would, they would find that very hard to understand. So they will be in the gym up to two, maybe sometimes three hours here. So that was one thing I saw right out the gate when I moved here. So when I came over here and started talking about a different philosophy with, you know, Dorian and Mike Mensah and Arthur Jones philosophy, people thought I was weird. And you know, training with one training yeah, with one set of failure. No one to, to like buck the trend. Everyone wants to do the same thing as everyone else, but they want to get better results than everyone else by doing the same thing. Well, people out here, I think the paradigm here is that the more is better. So they prefer beast mode. I prefer more lease mode, which my good friend Luke Lehman talks about. He's actually coined that now. Uh, he, he would talk about lease mode versus beast mode. And he always believes that less is better. And I, I completely agree with him, especially if sometimes we're looking at hypertrophy. Uh, if you're younger, you can get away with it. But guys in their forties like myself, there's no way I can train. I always think though, here's the thing though, just recently this week, I stepped up my training and even I've been lifting for 27 years. I still go back to, I'm going to try a bit of volume this week and I get yeah. completely burnt out. My joints start aching. I can't sleep. And that's a sign that again, Troy, you know better, but I keep going back to it. So sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. Yeah, so, so I'd really believe that for me, with my body type, the, mo the most I can train on the consecutive days is probably three. Yeah, two, exactly. When I was competing, it was always two days in a row, two days on one day off, two days on, take the weekend off. That was my approach yeah, for years. Probably max is ideal. I think three days max, any more than that. You're, what do you do? Um, it's always been very similar. Like recently, I've gone to more of a volume approach, trying to focus on certain body parts. So like two days a week now, I'm doing double sessions, but the mm -hmm. sessions will be much shorter and much higher intensity. It'll be smaller muscle groups. So yep. Uh, say for example tomorrow morning I'll do I'll do chests and triceps and then evenly dealt biceps and just split things up a little bit more um, but I'm just playing around with a few things at the moment. I, I like to try different things and that's how you learn but I think for me necessarily the high intensity max loading approach for one working set on certain things doesn't work yeah. particularly well for me like so like obviously you mentioned I met with uh, I trained with Dorian last week and that completely <laughs> blowing my knee um, yeah from overloading a little bit on that so it's finding what works for you and i think yeah different things work for different people it's just trying trial and error to a degree yeah as i've gotten older i don't do the the one set approach to failure anymore i i just can't i can't do it anymore i've i've, I've had way too many torn muscles um to, to 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 employ that old philosophy so as you know as we get older our body adapts right and it changes so now i do i do a little a lot more volume as opposed to what i used to do when yeah. i was back in the uk yeah i'm pretty much the same my reps are going up and doing a lot more higher rest pause sets drop sets and things like that which there's more tension on the muscle for a longer period of time which I'm yes. actually finding a lot more difficult because my body just hasn't got the muscle fibers developed to, to handle it. Um, and also the end, ends up the working set is so much longer. And if you're doing a heavy set of six reps or you're doing a heavy, like a failure set of like 30 to 40 reps, the 30 to 40 rep set is a long set yeah. and it's going to be painful and horrible and you know, it's going to be bad. 
It was like that. I'd rather just make it really heavy, get it over and done with in six reps because you know the pain's only temporary. It's interesting you say that. I just did a, I, I was at a lecture with Ben Pakulski and uh, another guy named Jordan Shallow and um, he's very I'm well renowned. I'm going to there with one of those next week actually. Oh me. man, like here's, here's the thing. I tell so many people, I've been doing this for a long time and I walked into this lecture and I felt, yeah, I know some stuff, but there's so much more to learn. There really is like so much more. And I learned so much cool little t- tweaks and things that I could do with my clients that I never even thought about once I uh, got to work with Ben and Jordan. So um, they're, they're pros, you know, they're, they're, it's their job. They are inundated with information. They're always testing things out on their clients. And, you know, they have a, a great, um, you know, they're a great repertoire of, of, uh, of exercises that they use. And they're all about stability of the pelvis and stability. That, that's the big thing. A lot of, of the, the analogy that talks about with uh, like the rope analogy of like, if you move one end of the rope and move the other end of the rope, you have to have one end of the rope anchored to be able to get it tent to get tension on it. Like, that's right. There's no tension. The beautiful analogy. Yeah. So I went in there. I mean, I, I, we learned so much and uh, definitely going to be doing a lot more courses uh, with, with him in the future, probably travel out to, out to Tampa. But what I'm trying to say here is that if anybody's listening, if you think you know the ins and outs of training, you know, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to keep inundating yourself. If you're a coach, if like we are, you, you know, you got to keep moving with the times because new information is, I couldn't believe when I took that six year sabbatical away from this industry and came back, this, there's so much more I learned in that six year period when I was away, when I came back, it was like a whole new world opened up. I was like, where will this stuff come from? So you've you got to be open-minded. You know what I did? I actually did CrossFit for three of those years. Oh dear God. Yeah. Worse. See, I'm the kind of, I, I know I'm like, I'm, I'm a very extreme person. You became vegan and you did CrossFit for three years. I know. And I think that's what probably smashed my shoulders up. So I was, <laughs> here's the thing I, people are telling me about CrossFit. Like, what's your take on it? If you're at a good location that really focuses on form and, and technique. But I, I couldn't do CrossFit. I can't do a, an overhead squat with a bar. I haven't got the ability to do it. I could, yeah, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I got, I did, I got it in the end, but I mean, you, the thing I had to do for the first six months, Charlie, is learn all the movements for, cause bodybuilding, right? We don't go to full lockout, right? Everything's kind of mid range, like constant tension. So when I'm, when we're warming up, the, the coaches would say, Troy, this isn't bodybuilding. We have to go full lockout here. So even when I was squatting, you know, we would do some squats or deadlifts. Everything is to that full lockout position, which I wasn't used to. So I had to relearn a lot of the moves again, but I was always open-minded and trying. So that's the thing about me. I'm always, I'm not afraid to take risks and I'm always interested in trying different things and experimenting on my body to see if it's going to work or not. And if it doesn't work, then at least I've tried. Yeah, moves on to the next one. I think that's the same thing. I think it's, as we've said before, I think if anyone who thinks they know everything, like no one knows everything and there's always more, new approaches being discovered all the time and there's a quicker way to go from A to B. So I think that's the whole part of life is learning and progressing mentally, physically, and to try and be the best you can be, I think. Yeah, keep an open mind. Yeah, that, that's, that'd be my one, number one tip for success with whatever you want to do. I think we'll um, start to wrap that up there then, Troy. What would you say is your number one tip for success? And if I'm, if I'm going to go for that then... Number one tip for success in transformation or just in general? Just go for general life and then for transforming your physique for your clients. What's the best tip you can go for other than the morning walk? 
I would say a, a success tip that comes to mind. Are we, are we talking about nutrition or exercise or just in general? Just in general, just general I, life. I would, I would say you got to have a goal, right? You got to, if you don't have a goal, then you're just wandering around aimlessly. So if you, if you're looking for a coach and you don't have a goal, I wouldn't waste your money. I would say, figure out what your goal is. What is your burning desire? Like, yeah. What do you truly, truly want in your heart of hearts? And once you can determine that, then you got to find the right coach to get you there and basically do exactly what they say and don't deviate. Um, and that's what a mentor is supposed to do. Hold you accountable. And if you aren't following through on what you said you were going to do based on your reasons, why then don't be upset when they call you out. So, because you told them that this is the reason why I'm doing it because of my goal and the reasons why. And if you're not basically implementing what they say, then take it on the chin and, and don't get mad about it. Don't react. Uh, so I would say definitely that that is number one, find a coach, find a mentor, but you've got to have a goal. You've got to have a burning desire, a reason why you're doing it. Like I read one of your um, blogs today, you were talking about the scale and yeah, how yeah. people, I, I really liked what you said. Um, and I forget where I was going with that. Now I just lost my train of thought, but it was, people should read it. It was a good blog. Put it that way. <laughs> people, again, people just need to think the reason why, like, like people ask, come to me, you've got the same thing. You would people say, I'm not losing weight, but I was like, look at your progress photo. Look, look how much better you look. The questions I always ask is, so you're not losing any weight, but your waist measurement's going down. Your strength's going up loads. Mm -hmm. What do you think is going on? And you almost lead them to the answer themselves. If people get so paranoid about the number and the scale where it's not like this isn't Weight Watchers, you're not necessarily trying to just pull off body weight. You want to try and be healthier and look better, which is the end goal for pretty much everyone. Well, there's definitely people to blame for that. The biggest loser on extreme weight loss because it was all based on the scale, right? So I love what you said in that. That was the post you mentioned in that particular article. Don't focus on the scale. So focus on your clothes fitting differently. Focus on, you know, the, the measurements coming down, the pictures looking different, your energy levels going up, your sex drive coming back. Those are huge. As a, Why would you want to – here's what I ask people – would you rather have a number on the scale come down and not have vibrant energy and have shit testosterone and have low sex drive and, 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 and having poor energy levels? Would you rather have that number come down as opposed to the rest? So it, it, it you got to let people come up with their own answer for that. And well, I love what you said there. Most of the time. It's quite, a, it's quite a fun game sometimes, but it's uh, that's some good coaching right there that you just <laughs> give them really good coaching. Absolutely. Plant seed, plant seed, but yeah. Um, so thank you very much for today, Troy. An absolute pleasure. If, where can anyone find you on your social media channels? Instagram, baby. Uh, the Troy Brown. The Troy Brown. You can find me on my website too, apexphysiques.ca. I'm on. I'm on Facebook, but for some reason, Facebook has term not terminated. They've suspended my account, my coaching page, and I don't know why. So I've been trying to get in contact with them to get it reinstated. So I don't know why they've done that. I don't know what's going on there, but most of the time you can find me on Instagram and I'm posting on a daily basis too, like, like you are. So I'm trying to be consistent like you, man, you're leading, you're, you're inspiring me to do more. Yeah, leading the charge. Absolutely. So it's all kind of down to consistency. I'll, I'll pop all your, um, details and obviously the summary for the podcast everyone go and check out Troy and if anyone has any questions for either of us drop us both a message hope you guys enjoy the podcast and if you haven't already uh, leave us a review it would be greatly appreciated so peace out and thank you very much take care everybody